bonus room, Dan talks about his career, which actually started as a trumpet player, and how he got into musicals. Let's talk about you now, because we've talked about things that you've been involved in, but how did you get to where you are now? You started out as a trumpet player, correct? <laughs> or well, you tell me, Tony. <laughs> You're the best judge of that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's so many years ago now. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, once you're a trumpet player, I guess you're always a trumpet player. I guess, yeah. Level. But yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, you, where you're not actively playing anymore, do you, what, do you still think and feel like a trumpet player? Um, yeah, I mean, when I, for example, when I compose, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm writing something that has a, a, a low C sharp, I'm always sort of thinking that I have to extend the slide, you know, to make it in tune. <laughs> You know, or or I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, or if if I'm, you know, in in some place where Beethoven's Fifth is playing, I know the trumpet part from memory. You know, so yeah, I don't hear yeah, Beethoven's yeah. Fifth. I just hear C, G, and an occasional D, or something <laughs> like that. You know, I mean that's. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating, but but sure. but I mean I practice the excerpt so much that I mean I know most of that stuff from memory. So I think I still. I don't know how much I think of it as a trumpet player, but I. But I still have dreams about about playing the trumpet. So oh, I do too. I yeah. do too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, this is precisely what we've been talking about. It's that kind of extraordinary experience of, you know, I mean, just that that feeling of sitting in a great brass section and playing incredible music under no. a brilliant yeah. conductor. Nothing I like mean, it. that there's nothing like it ever, you know. And I I, I share that. I have I have dreams. But like it's that such as an well. honor and to just, be able to do that. Incredible, incredible experience, and and uh, where just kind of your whole soul is vibrating with the the sound of you know of that orchestra and the, those brass instruments. So I I have huge admiration for trumpet players. I still you know um, the head of the Royal Academy of Music actually is a brilliant trumpet player, and um, you Mark, know, Mark I love David. It, you know, no, um, uh, Jonathan Freeman Atwood is a, a trumpet player. He's the uh, principal of the school. And a wonderful trumpet player, and really, and he plays trumpet like you know. Uh, I always, you know, think of Maurice Andre having a lovely singing quality, you know, right. that um, that is unlike so many trumpet players out there, you know. Yeah. And um, and uh, and Jonathan plays like that, you know. He, he plays the trumpet like a singer, you know. And I have, I love that. But um, so I, I love, I still love the trumpet. And it was funny when I was uh, in New York about. Six or seven years ago, I went through a, a, a. It was one of the few periods of my life, actually, where I I didn't I wasn't working, so I had a couple of months off, and I just thought for fun I'd pick up the trumpet and play again, you know. And it was um, it was really it was a great, um, yeah, great little experiment. I really enjoyed doing that, you know. Well, you know, the conductor of the Boston Symphony, Andres Nelsons, is supposed to be. I've heard from many people that he's absolutely one of the great conductors of of today, and he started out as a trumpet player. And gave really? it up, and when he became a conductor, but he came, became very good friends with Hulken Hardenberger, and um, Hulken um, bought him a trumpet. And since then, he's been crazy about the trumpet. And evidently, every concert during intermission, he's practicing. Uh, Isn't and that and he's yeah. and there's a thing of him, a, a YouTube video of him playing uh, the solo from I think it's the solo from Lincoln of uh, John Williams with John Williams conducting the Boston Pops. And here's this connector oh, of the Boston so cool. Symphony. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that was uh -huh. a really cool story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I and love he sounds to hear terrific. That. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Does he really? Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I yeah, bet. it's not like he sounds you know, pretty it, good. He really sounds great. Yeah, isn't that incredible? Yeah. Well, again, I think you know. I think 
looking back on 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 my time, I mean, that's always the sort of player I wanted to be, and I don't I don't feel you know for whatever re- combination of reasons I don't I don't think I achieved it very often, but you know I, I um, yeah that sort of kind of very almost mechanical uh, sort of trumpet playing that I hear so often that's certainly not the the sort of player that that I you know respond to yeah yeah for sure well you gave up playing then to and did you think I want to be in musicals or or, I mean how did you make that transition uh I wanted uh, I don't know if you remember but you know even when we first kind of met uh uh, I was think I was interested in conducting, and I started doing a little bit of conducting. And when I was at uh, Curtis, I started doing more. And then I went, um, I uh, had, did a little stint in the New World Symphony. I don't know if you know that program in America, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I did that for a little while, and I was working with Michael Tilson Thomas, and and so I just started doing more, more and more bits and pieces. When I was at Curtis, I worked with a uh, uh, conductor. Uh, uh, Sergio Celibadaki, who really made a huge, huge impression on me. And when I left New World Symphony, I was kind of thinking that I, you know, that I wanted to give it a go. I wanted to see what that might be like to kind of, you know, try to um, conduct and, and is that something I should explore. So I went over to, to Munich to do that and, um, and worked with him in Munich for a while and ran out of money and <laughs> looked in Das Orchester for a job and they needed a, a conductor of cats in Hamburg. And I don't think I knew what the hell cats was and I uh, I went and auditioned for the job and they um, you know, remarkably hired me. I mean, very stupidly hired me. How, I mean, what was the audition like? I mean, did you know the, the music at all? I had to learn, the, well, it was pretty... It was pretty straightforward. I, they sent me a bit of music, and I had to get up in front of the orchestra and conduct it. And if, and so, yeah, it was it, it, you know they didn't kind of quite query my background at all, really, in terms of musical theater. I mean, I knew nothing about musical theater at all. And uh, but I managed on that particular day to get up and I guess conduct well enough that they thought that I would uh, you know uh, fit the bill for that. Uh, uh, production, but it was that's amazing that was kind of to, the to, to get all. started yeah. that way. Wow! And so your first rehearsal, first real rehearsal with the orchestra for Cats. I mean, then you had to learn the score. I would assume. Yeah, that must yeah. have been hair raising the first rehearsal. Yeah. It was. I remember being absolutely terrified, and also just feeling that I was incredibly out of my depth. I didn't understand what the hell was going on, and um, but you know. Uh, you know, I was just eat, eating it up. I loved it. I, I loved working with dancers. And on that particular production, of course, you know, dance is huge. I met Gillian Lynn again, who I just, you know, came to adore. And, and uh, you know, she was, I, you know, immediately in her, I kind of saw, oh, my God, this this woman is a great artist herself and a, and a great director, a choreographer. And um, so bit by bit, you know, I began to kind of... Um, uh, understand more and more about what what went into that, you know, and have and I uh, I think where before I probably had a slightly perhaps a derogatory impression about what musical theater was all about. I but of course I had no understanding of it whatsoever. So it, it was 
so I had to learn from the inside out and it was great. It was a great way to learn, you know, but, um, uh, and I'm still learning more. I mean, I've, I've learned more about musical theater since being at the Royal Academy of Music and doing what I'm doing now than I, I did in all the years I was conducting and, and music supervising. Really? So it's, uh, it's an ongoing, and it's an ongoing, uh, joy. Yeah. You know? I think the learning never stops. Hopefully. No, no, absolutely. So we've talked about acting a little bit. Would you say that there's a difference between acting? Well, I'm sure there is, but what would you say it would be between acting in a musical, acting on stage, and then acting for film? Yeah, it's they are different things, and uh, in in terms of maybe um, kind of the execution. I mean, I think fundamentally you're calling upon similar things, but but I think how you put it together is slightly different. I think, you know, uh, you know, acting for film, um, and again, this is something that I've kind of become intimately more aware of through my own son, you know, where he's done so much, so many, um, he works with a brilliant, um, acting for film, uh, coach, uh, out in New York by the name of, uh, Todd Sussman, who I've now uh, got, uh, working with our students at the Royal Academy of Music. He's the best there is. And uh, Kieran's been working f- with him uh, for some time. And and it is, you know, it's it's very difficult when you've got a camera that is literally, you know, inches away from your face. And and when that happens, it, it's, it's not about what you, you know, demonstrate or show. It's about kind of what's going on internally, emotionally, you know. And it's, you know, and I think a lot of great screen actors have this kind of incredible burn, emotional burn inside of them, but have this rather um, amazing capacity to remain relaxed outside. And it's a a weird kind of dichotomy between those two elements, you know, uh, where it's their inner story that is just kind of burning brightly inside of them. And of course, the camera picks that up beautifully. You know, I think, uh, you know, if you're in a 2000 seat auditorium, then if you execute it in that way, it's it's going it, to it perhaps will get lost. Not always, but perhaps it will get lost. And of course, with modern amplification and and I think actors, musical theater actors have a lot a much wider scope now than they ever have had in the past, you know, to to act in a very nuanced way and and, and kind of uh, find the power of that even within a stage play. But I think there does have to be a heightened element to it in order to get it to the back row. Yeah, I think that's really important. There's a there's a, a very famous bass trombone player, George Roberts. Um, he was like, I think they called him Mr. Bass Trombone. He, he played in the Hollywood studios and he's on a lot of the Frank Sinatra recordings and all of that. Wow. Really, yeah. really great player. I met him a couple of times, but, but a friend of mine who studied with him some said that his, his idea about sound, he never sounded like he was playing loud, but if you were outside of the studio, his was the sound that you heard because it was just so pure and perfect. And he said, try and think of, of where you want your sound to go. And if you're doing a recording session, it's like it's, a, it's a, a, an arrow to a recording microphone, maybe just three feet in front of you. If you're playing in a symphony orchestra, it's like, you know, maybe 200 feet to the back balcony, or I don't know how long it would be to the back balcony. Yeah. But that sort of thing of, of narrowing your sound, and I would think for an actor, it's maybe the, the, the same thing. Um, I, I, well, do you know the Arthur uh, Miller yeah. book, Timeline? 
I think it was called Timelines no. or Timelines. Really, yeah. really good book. Um, oh, and he, he talked about, um, yeah, it's great. I read it a long time ago, but I remember one thing he said was, was when they filmed The Misfits with uh, Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe, and, and he wrote the script for that. There was one place where he told Clark Gable, I think you're going to have to give more on that. You're going to have to express more. And Clark Gable said, no, it's fine. I think it's fine. Mm. And then he looked yeah. at the take and he said it was fine. <laughs> you know, that, that Gable yeah. knew exactly how much to give to get the, you know, yeah. the emotion across. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't have to be overstated. I think the element that sometimes gets lost also is, is the audience. You know, they're the, they're the kind of unquantifiable element to a live theatrical performance. And, and they're an incredibly important aspect to it. And just like that bass drum bonus was trying to focus his sound in a particular way. I think it's, you know, it's about kind of communicating, uh, you know, I always say the the cheap seats are where all the important people sit, you know, that's where people like me sat when I was a kid, you know, and because uh, I never had enough money to do anything but so, and that's where, you know, all the, the next generation of artists will be sitting. And I think, you know, to kind of how do I project and communicate that idea or that emotion to that you know, to the last seat in the house, you know, I think that's uh, really important, you know, but it, again, it's about, it's about doing everything with purpose and with, um, you know, uh, and, and again, I think that's similar in a way to what you were just describing about having a real purpose and how you want to, you know, who's, who are you directing that to, you know. I heard of a, a time where, um, I forget who the actor was, but every night he he would try to find somebody to that he was just communicating directly to somebody in the audience. And this one night, I guess the lights were low, but he saw that this one pair of eyes, whatever he did, the eyes were just following him. So he really gave his all for this entire show, you know, for, and the lights came up and it turned out it was a seeing eye dog <laughs> that he had done the entire, <laughs> the entire play for. Well, that, you know, that must be one incredibly happy dog, you know? <laughs> I would think so, yeah. yeah. You know, or maybe he but, had a you know, fetish thing... for this actor. Who knows? <laughs> Absolutely. But I think, um, but you know, again, I think uh, we're all animals at the end of the day. We all feel uh, in, sense, in a sensory way. We all sense, you know, if I walk into the room and I'm not in a good mood uh, with, you know, my company of musical theater students, you know, uh, I don't have to say a word, they, they'll know, you know, and, and similarly, if they, if, if, you know, if, if they bring that into the room, I'll know, you know, we're animals, we pick up uh, on the vibrations of our, you know, on other people's vibrations and their emotions. And, you know, that's hugely important. And I think, um, you know, we, again, sometimes we forget that, you know, that we, we kind of get blocked by our, by our intellects and kind of forget that, at the end of the day, um, it is about, you know, it's about that internal, you know, getting back to, again to that kind of internal burn or that internal life of an actor. I think that's incredibly important. Yeah. And I think there are certain instrumentalists that can show that too. They, they can play a very simple line, but there's just something incredibly great about it. No, it's just, I, I, again, I think it's about connection. I think it's about connection to you know uh, uh, and i think there are lots of different ways of describing it but there's like this you know it's a connection to maybe it's a to a memory maybe it's to a very specific emotion maybe it's connection to a you know again whether you want to describe it as something spiritual or a higher power or however you want to describe it but it's connecting to something other than you you 
It's not about you, where you're, you're um, you know, a vessel for some, some other power, you know. And I think when, whether that's an instrumentalist or an actor or a sculptor or a painter, dancer, you know, uh, when that happens, it's, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. great. It's a great way to make a living, that's for sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. This has really been great, Dan. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, as I say, I, I um, you know, kind of reconnecting with you, it made me think back to our days in, in Santa Monica and up in Montecito. And, we had some uh, crazy uh, times. Some crazy times and great times. And you, yeah. were, you, know, you were always a great inspiration for me. So it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you tonight. This, this is great. And I hope that we have a chance to meet in person again sometime soon. We, we need to make that happen yeah, soon. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, take care of yourself. You too, Tony. All the best. <laughs>